Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? 2019 edition. It's a brand new year, brand new us. Because it's not just me, my old muck is there as well. How you doing, Baz? Uh, I'm just hitting backspace. I typed 2018 and I'm going to do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the show notes were going to be wrong after three seconds of recording. Oh. <laughs> Right, yeah, for the next three months, we'll all be doing the same thing of trying to change that eight into a nine. Yeah, yeah. First of January. Happy New Year, you. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Who so knew? we've got a whole new, whole new world of role playing to look forward to now, haven't we? Have we? I don't know what the calendar takeover <laughs> means to us, but I presume now everybody's optimistic and going to try hard to get more games in and do more stuff. That's what I'm seeing on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all the other places as well. Though lots yeah. of. Uh, Resolutions and commitments from people to say, this year I will run more, I will run something for the first time, I'll play a game, I'll get more games in, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's loads of stuff about it at the moment, the community's going mad, because we've all got, usually most of us have got a little bit of time off work and we can't help but take stock on last year, which we did in our last podcast, didn't we? So you do a yeah. bit of that and then you sort of look forward a little bit and <laughs> you start, start out with these huge ambitions and sometimes that huge ambition is I'm going to play a game weekly. <laughs> and then you realise just, <laughs> just how big an ask that actually is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I do feel jealous about all the people who play more than once on a weekly basis. Yeah. So I have several home groups. I still don't know sure how they do that. I don't even think when we were of an age, when we had more time, that I played like four games a week. That no. seems like a ridiculous amount. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. I'm in a job or something, isn't it? I don't think I've played four games a week in a week where I've been at a con. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> <laughs> um, when we were at university we had games club that was good but that was a solid once a week game and you might get in a couple if you were doing like a, an all day on a Saturday or a Sunday but yeah four yeah, games right. a week oh, I don't know how I feel about that I mean you know great if, if you love that kind of thing and you've got your your young'uns of today are busy str- uh, streaming on Twitch aren't they and, um, mm. and uh, they're playing like you know uh, 40, 50, 60 hours a week and recording it, and people give them money for it somehow. I don't really know how that works. Uh, that's astonishing. I don't know if I'd like to play that often. Surely, can you have too much of a good thing? It's not, not something I've experienced for a very long time, but I wonder if theoretically you could have too much gaming. Yeah, possibly. I think the secret. Well, I was going to say I think the secret is playing lots of different things, but then I'm pretty sure there's some people in several different D and D campaigns or flavors thereof that yeah. got like you know. An old school D and D. They've got a new D and D. They've got a Pathfinder session, and some else. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I just like to get some regular gaming in. That's I can't even call that a resolution. It's just a wish. <laughs> if I've got my ring of wishes, it's like <laughs> yeah, a resolution's got some <laughs> chance of happening. Get some games in. <laughs> well, it was good to catch it with a few people because. Uh, the sort of Christmas break is a time when a lot of people have time off, so you do get to catch up with some buddies. But mm. some of the guys used to play Netrunner with are on about playing a, a, a regular game, if we can, or at least once a month, and that seems to be the thing for us. And online, mm. we're talking about playing once a month, if we can get our Warhammer Keep Going that I've started running for you guys, and you've mm. talked about Mutant Year Zero, and Matt from Sting has just suggested 47 different games he might want to run, and that kind of thing. And uh, even like old friends I knew from Sixth Form College, even before our university days, talking about let's get together in a month's time or three months' time and play some games. So there's definitely a, a zeitgeist of people going, right, come on, let's play some games this year. Mm. It'll be very interesting when we're a year from now, we'll look back to say, see how that happened, or, or say what did or didn't get off the ground and, and think of reasons why it may not do. 
Yeah, it used to be, I definitely remember that uh, the big discussion point when we were trying to organise some gaming would be about what system we might want to play or who was going to be GM and who would play, you know, and people would pitch their stuff. That isn't the problem now. That's not the problem at all. In fact, that's the least of the problems because there's too many <laughs> too many good games out there and, and everyone we yeah. know is, is a GM or potentially a GM. It's just about life, isn't it? And it's just about scheduling. And despite despite online being a thing, and online gaming being a good thing, um, I didn't get too much online gaming in last year either. Thank God I got some in, otherwise it would have been you know, pretty poor stats, I think, for 2018. I'd like to think that online gaming would be bigger, but I've got to say the closure of G+, makes that a little bit harder, I think, to try and scare up some games through that avenue. Um, well, the imminent closure of G+, is not closed just yet at the time of recording. Who knows what it'll be like on Monday. Um <laughs> But you wouldn't think yeah, it would be just forward, so hard to get people together for a couple of hours, but God knows it is, and I'm as responsible for dropping out of games as anybody is, so you know, I'm not I'm not on a soapbox on this one. Yeah, I don't know. It seems to be uh, a last minute thing with online games as well, or, or that's my experience anyway, that um you'll try getting in touch with someone for like three weeks and they're up to a game, can't hear anything, and then ten minutes before you're about to start, they ping you and go, Are oh, we still playing? <laughs> and it's like the fuck like I've, <laughs> I've been messaging you for like three weeks and like 10 minutes before the game now you wake up which you know is quite often fine if the game's going to go ahead but if you've got two or three people like that out of a four player game then your game doesn't happen which is a bit of a shame <laughs> perhaps true. a resolution for everyone for the new year is if you're playing online or uh, certainly in infrequent games perhaps we should all might myself included make a bit more of an effort to let people know that yes you're definitely still on for it and and maybe create a bit more buzz and excitement before the game because it can tend to be you commit to something excited in the moment and then a couple of weeks go by and you forget all about it or you're suddenly in the middle of something else and you realise you're supposed to be in a game quite soon. So perhaps we all need to sort of use that uh, online channel, whether social media or emails or WhatsApp Mm. or whatever else it might be, just to kind of create a bit of buzz between ourselves. And that's not all down to the GM either because quite often a lot of the burden lies on them, certainly with online games having to set up pictures and adventures and all kinds of stuff in advance maybe the players could do with a little bit of using social media or other online tools to kind of just chat amongst themselves and show a bit of excitement for a game that's coming up perhaps that would lead to more of momentum for games actually happening yeah I, I could sign up for that definitely um i think i'm reasonably excited about stuff when it happens but you're right sometimes if you book something for a month away well, it's human nature, isn't it? Stuff happens and stuff gets in the way. And I've been as guilty as anybody of getting in from a pretty tough day at work at the coalface. And, you know, it might be six o'clock and I'm just, you know, I haven't got anything in the oven yet. And the game's due to start in like an hour. And it seems like it's going to be starting in two minutes. And it's like, oh man, I just need, <laughs> oh God. Because you also, you want to be on, don't you? I mean, role playing, I know that people can and do kind of just sit there and let, let the session wash over them almost like background noise. I've never really been one of those sort of players personally. So I feel like I've got to be up for it. And I mean properly up for it as well. I don't just want to, like, you know, you can't really sleepwalk your way through it like you could do with a board game where you're not particularly engaged or, you know, or watch a crap movie with some pals. Nice as that is to turn your brain off. The fact is, gaming, it does take a bit of an effort, doesn't it? Um, so if you're feeling a bit jaded or a bit down, sometimes maybe it's a feeling of like, I'm not going to be very good tonight, so I'm better off like not playing at all. Um, and I want to try and move past that personally and just, you know, pull me big boy pants up, really, get me D4 sharpened and uh, have a glass of water and get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a definite element to that. I mean, 
I've certainly felt it with in other social situations and stuff where I've got home and I've just thought, I don't want to go out again now. Now I've got back from work, yeah. I just want to sit down and do something, you know. But I've generally found that once I've gone out and done it, as long as it's something fun like gaming, for example, mm. I've normally been better for it. Once I've got there or got out, you know, made the effort, then suddenly, you know, everything seems a lot more rosy. It just seems to be the, the effort of getting involved sometimes is the barrier. But once you just, like you say, pull your big boy pants up or big girl pants as they may be, uh, you could just get on with it and, and get some fun out of it. And I think you can get into a bit of a routine. Mm. Like for me, for example, while we're talking resolutions and stuff, I need to do some exercise. I would say get back down the gym or go tie boxing or something, but like any exercise at all would be good at this point because <laughs> I'm doing zero. <laughs> like walking to the kitchen's about as much as I get at the minute. So that's one where I know that uh, like things like going to the gym where people just feel like this is a massive effort and it's hard at first, but after you get into it, mm. suddenly you get annoyed if you can't do it. And I'm pretty sure we can convince everyone to be like that about gaming as well. If they're into games, if they want to play them, then it's just a matter of making the effort a couple of times just to get back in the swing of things. And then you remember how great it is. Yeah. And that gets people back in and doing it more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just to stretch your analogy to the breaking point as well, the thing about getting down the gym or go running in my case is that you're right after a while you realize that the motivation is down the gym so you just got to go and get it so it's not sitting in your house and once you get it you can pick it up and run with it um i think it's the same with uh with role-playing games too i tell you one thing that that i kind of miss is campaign play and these days a campaign would be anything where i play the same system more than four times so which is the world's shortest campaign by old money isn't it that's embarrassing Mm. but i wonder if um i wonder if the fact that we're a bit sort of flippity gibbet by the nature of us like podcasting about various bits and pieces all the time and constantly really having to like you know look at new things and look at old stuff sometimes because we might have a guest coming up or we just want to try something out or if or there's a kickstarter has been delivered we do tend to sort of flap about from one thing to another quite a bit don't we um, that's true so and again with online gaming i wouldn't i don't really like playing for more than a couple of hours at any one time it's actually quite hard work physically at that point so that's like a, an old half an old session in old money. So mm. realistically, when we used to play um, campaign games, we'd play for like four hour slots at a con, wouldn't you, around a table? And you'd yeah. look for half a dozen of those to call it a mini campaign. You, you've got to do quite a lot of online hours to to get to that sort of level. So yeah, it's um, scheduling's a beast. But I wonder if like you know, little and often might be the way forward. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's there's that kind of magpie thing with a lot of games these days because there's so many and Kickstarters are constantly hitting and there's so many channels that are telling you about the new hotness and all kinds of things going on that it's very easy to flip between lots of stuff and not just to commit to something and, and get through it. Yeah, 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 it is. So maybe with our, like, we're going to continue the podcasting, obviously, because why wouldn't we? But towards the end of last year we, we did get like a lot of content as a lot of the, the guests we'd approached all came back uh fairly quickly and we suddenly had loads of cast today and I'm, I'm thinking perhaps for us we might have to uh, hold back on that a little bit this year certainly after that sprint at the end of last year mm. so to enable us to get some actual gaming in uh and do games with that time rather than podcasts but that that sort of hints at another element of things it's about priorities and uh, devoting your time to something in a, in a sensible way, isn't it? Because it'd be mm. dead easy for us to play 15 different games in the next three months if we wanted to, because it's there. But the chances of actually committing to all of them and doing it properly are probably quite slim. So it might be worth 
looking at how much game time and inverted commas we've got in the social lives and then trying to apportion that in a sensible manner. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I mean, on the guest thing, I mean, you know, my highlights of last year definitely include some of the guests who were gracious enough to come on the show and talk to us. They were absolutely awesome. Didn't have a bad guest, did we? Um, no. Some of those conversations, you know, they're, they're absolutely brilliant. I'm really glad we've got like recorded evidence of our time with people like Greg Stoltzy, Jonathan Tweet, to name but some. Uh, they were all excellent. And I think we'll have guests again. And, we, you know, we've got a couple of people lined up, haven't we? Um, but there was definitely a stage, mate, where we were speaking to people on a weekly basis. And, um, you know, thanks to our glorious patrons for sort of backing us to make sure that we, we keep our noses to the grindstone on this stuff. That meant doing a bit of research, didn't it? It meant getting some books out mm. of the cupboards. And, and we always tried, we always tried to play the game that we were talking to the designer about. And, you know, cards on the table, uh, we couldn't always do that because we saw so many people in such quick succession last year. So if we have to kind of like slow down the quantity of that, um, it means that our glorious listeners might just have to listen to thee and me having a chat about stuff, but at least we'll be talking about games played rather than theoretical stuff. <laughs> yeah, quite right. Yeah, to, to, to echo your comments, I don't want to at all suggest that any of our guests were unwelcome or that I regret any conversation yeah. I had. It was just the sheer volume of effort put in, and, and probably our glorious listeners don't see behind the scenes the amount of work we have to put in with the editing cobbles to make things work sometimes and to mm. re-record in some cases and that sort of thing. Um, so it's just, just like I said before, it was, it was just time rather than any particular quality and it's focusing on some things. So it'd be good to kind of balance out the guestage with us having a chat about stuff we've actually done, I think, which is something we can definitely commit to. But even then, like I look at the stack of books by my bedside that's now taller than my bed of things I need to read. And <laughs> one of my other sort of commitments I've made to myself at the minute is to try and read through something first before I start another one. So I'm about halfway through Vampire 5th uh, right. edition, which then leads me to thinking about I need to run a game of that at some point and then I'll have to do some podcasting about it. <laughs> I'm already planning lots of t- my free time away to do that. Uh, but while uh, other friends are talking games they've picked, I'm trying really hard not to read and even ones I've picked up, like uh, Forbidden Lands, is it? Forgotten Lands? Yeah, Forbidden Lands. Yeah, that's right. Because um, I got that for a friend as well, and you got it at Dragon Meat, and I yep. got it, and now it's just sat there. Uh, one or two people keep asking about it, and what do you think of this and that? And I'm like, I cannot read it, because if I start reading it, <laughs> that other half of Vampire's not getting read. And it's just nope. that, that's the way it is, unfortunately. So perhaps another commitment for me for this year is to see things through a little bit more, uh, which might just be finishing a book or getting to the point where I know I've read enough of it that like that's all I'm going to read of this thing and putting it on the shelf rather than keeping it in the to-read pile by the side of my bed. I don't know, how are you getting through stuff you've bought, Baz? So uh, I have the same issues that everybody does. I, I need to be a little bit more organised about it, I think. I don't mind having like an A book and a B book and um, because otherwise if I just do one book at a time in series like you're suggesting, mate, that I, I, well, it would save my wallet a lot of money because my stack's about as big as yours and my reading time is, is as limited as anybody's. So I don't mind having an A book and a B book. i tell you what helps is, is if you, because um, you're running Warhammer at the moment, um, mm. I'm really conscious that if you pick up another thing and you like it, that kind of sounds the death knell for our Warhammer game as well. And that's that would be awful, you know, because that's got so many more legs in it yet that I don't want you to get excited by anything else. And I hope Vampire's crap. So, because <laughs> I don't want to play that, I want to play more Warhammer. But because you're reading that, that's cool. Because then I don't have to. So it's quite nice now that um, 
you know the if you've if you've taken a game you can kind of put like a, a chalk circle around that one and then that one's being read by someone i know which is almost as good as me reading it so i'll yeah. enjoy that um so that frees me up to do something else and i figure i should have something that's kind of current and i should have something that's kind of bubbling away underneath that's maybe works uh in contrast to that so what am i doing right now right now i've got mutant u0 it's kind of bubbling away nicely um, and I've had a session of that and some character generation so that's ready to go so I think that's moving up onto the front hot plate of my gaming oven and on one of the back rings I can put something a little bit different and right now there's a space for that I don't know what it's going to be but I reckon mm. I can handle like two things the real problem that I've got at the minute if I'm being completely honest is stuff like card games and board games keeps trying to shove my role playing books off my nightstand they, yeah. they move around in the night and they give my stuff a good kicking and and then and I look on my <laughs> shelves and realise that other stuff has moved into the most recently red pile. I don't, I'm not sure what I feel about that. I love all games, I really do. But if I look back over the last couple of months, there's been some pesky little interlopers pushing my books off my shelf. Do you have those gremlins too? They, well, they try. I'm a bit more... Uh ferocious and vindictive against mine <laughs> get, uh-huh. get more of a kick in yeah because this Keyforge came out for FHG wasn't their latest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite collectible card game where you just buy a deck and then that's the deck and if you want to play a different deck you have to buy a whole new different deck and you can't mix and match cards so really you'll need to buy one and you can play it but you don't really buy one you buy several no. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's the way it works and it's an interesting concept and good friends of the show like Ian at the Giant Brain have gone on about it and said how great it is uh, I've just not bought it because I know what will happen and even yeah. if it's only a small amount of time I will play it sometimes I will read about it I will find other people to have a game with I'll take mm-hmm. it to conventions uh, so knowing that it's going to be a distraction I've managed to keep that at arm's length and the same for a lot of board games and stuff I did collect a lot of them over the last sort of year and they're I don't know 50% still in shrink wrap because wow. uh, other people tend to have copies of that game or I don't have a local group at the time or we end up playing a role-playing game instead or whatever it is. And again, that's more research, more time reading, more time on forums talking about it or whatever. So my approach has been to at least narrow down just to role-playing games in, in recent months anyway. Mm. Um, but that, that still leaves like a massive field of disgust of how many games there are out there that are just RPGs. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to have to be super realistic though because uh, unlike 20 years ago when it was like what game should we buy uh, and we would both have that discussion and talk about it and it'd be great fun over a pint what games are we going to get now it's which ones aren't we going to buy so <laughs> <laughs> for the for the good of our sanity and our hobby you can't possibly be into everything can you we've, we've touched on this before but there's no way you can be into all of the cool stuff that's around at the moment not a chance you couldn't read it let alone play it so you've got to be a little bit more, uh, got to have some discretion over what you do. So here's the thing, here's my resolution then. I'll hit you with this one. I am not going to buy any more fantasy role-playing games this year at all. I'm not Because <laughs> I'm down to my last 30 or 40. Because <laughs> you've got all the, all the D&Ds now. So. <laughs> oh, 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 Jesus Christ. Uh, I bought Forbidden Lands as well. Why did you let me do that? That was stupid. Um, you were so it's, excited. It's really good. <laughs> I couldn't stop you. I know. Like, I'm trying to write, finish. I'm desperately trying to finish my own bloody fantasy role playing game, which is 99.9 percent the way there. And yet, yet, I stupidly go and buy another fantasy role playing game. <laughs> Why am I doing that? When do I think I'm going to run it? Am I genuinely saying to myself that my game is not good enough to compete with games I've not yet read that other people want me to give them money for? 
Oh, talk about backing yourself. So that hasn't worked. Uh, you're running Warhammer, which makes me want to get Warhammer so badly. I so badly want to have Warhammer. And I was trying to convince myself the other day that if I just get the starter set, that's like not really buying Warhammer, then is it? Then then that'll just be a little taster, and I can have that. So that's like 25 quid I want to drop on a game that I'm not actually going to be able to run, because you're running it. And uh, and I'll read that instead of writing my own game. Madness. And I, and crazy. God, I, I counted them the other day. Fan, just fantasy, just in a fantasy genre, and I'm just talking about games, not even editions of games, just discrete on their own games. I have an excess of 35 fantasy role-playing games. That's, oh, and there, there could be more. There easily could be more. I certainly don't have them all. Nothing like yeah. it. <laughs> so that needs to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it probably does. They're good though, aren't they? Our hobby's not that expensive, really. <laughs> they are good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was the box, wasn't it, with the the latest one? That it's like a little box set with some leatherette feature books inside and a, and a fold-out map and stuff. And it was like, yeah. it's an old box set that we remember from the 90s when we used to buy games like that. Mm. There's nothing quite like getting the Parlance box set for Earth Dawn or something with its map wall painted set and the actual maps inside and a James book and a players book and some pop-out cards for magic items and all kinds of things like that. It was just yeah. that magic of seeing a little uh, a little box set, I, can, I think, that got us carried away. The bastards. They stuck it in a box, guys, just to guess. And it was at a good price as well, actually. Oh, you know, under 40 quid for, for, a, for a role-playing game these days is not bad um, in comparison. And inside that box there's two hardbacks. And those hardbacks on their own individually are the size of decent game books, aren't they? And then you get some maps and some gubbins and stuff. It's not. It's kind of weird because it's not really a starter set, which is where you think boxes are going to be with like some dice and a crayon and all of that kind of stuff. But it's um, but it's full of nice kit. And, and yeah, I, yeah, I got it off the back of um, um, you, you've like you've like free league stuff. We should say, shouldn't we? What it is? Forbidden Lands is from Free Legan. Uh, the Swedish company who just make really good games, and uh, it's a it's a new take on a game that was around in Sweden back in the eighties, much like their take on Mutant Year Zero is, which was based on a game from eighty four, I think. So these aren't exactly new, but they've got nice new shiny bodywork on them and all the rest of it. And Free League and stuff is good. It's just good. It's it's got a really nice yeah. sweet spot for us in it, a kind of Goldilocks game of narrative, but also got a bit of crunch in there and there's some gaming to be played with it. And and then I looked at the character sheet and just handed over my money because it had a... <laughs> <laughs> well, all, all the stuff looks good as well, doesn't it? It's well produced. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they've either got brilliant artists in advance and that's what they base the game on, or they've got artists that fit the genre of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the layout, the graphic quality, you know, it's, it's all just brilliant. Um, so I, I'm going to find it very hard not to give them more money as the year goes on if they keep producing stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> At least I can limit the... myself on publisher a bit and not just buy everything that everybody brings in. Sorry, Carwin. Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. stupidly I thought if I can just tone down the amount of stuff I buy, at least I'll just keep it down to a single publisher. But then if it's free or legal, that might as well be all the role-playing product in the world. Because <laughs> even Forbidden Lands has got campaigns it's ready to go with. It's got nice dice. It's got card decks. I love having kit for games. Kit yeah. for games is good. And then, you know, on the bundle of holding, they stuck Tales from the Loop and Coriolis. So that's another two complete systems that I now possess for... The... <laughs> I don't have time to read. And I've not even got my Mutant Year Zero campaign properly off the ground yet. This yeah. is madness. Things from the flood will be along soon. 
That'll yeah. earn us, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, in inverted commas, I've already kickstarted that, so the money's already gone. So it doesn't have my time situation, but at least I'm not buying a new one now. I'm not breaking my promise. It'll just turn up magically. Wow. Yeah, I discovered my meeting Year Zero stuff as, as well while I was looking around. I've got the card deck and the special dice and all kinds of stuff <laughs> that, that I bought whenever it was a year ago or something and forgot all about. Nice. Because it's down the bottom of the pile rather than near the top. I don't know, Bass. I don't know how we're going to manage all this. Well, I think we, we do need a science fiction game for this year. If we're talking about B-Books and what else we might go for if we're not going for fantasy. Mm-hmm. We did sort of mention briefly last show that a lot of the games coming up seem either... Uh, postmodern or science fiction full on uh, and it would be good to have something like that that we can all gather around because that's always been the thing that's been in the back of our mind hasn't it we can't seem yeah. to get agreement on across the role playing community it's kind of like what's our good science fiction game because there seem to be lots of mini science fiction games almost whereas fantasy is largely fantasy everybody knows what they're talking about yeah I, yeah, agreed because that's been like a life resolution hasn't it it's been to play some science fiction games and we've had some contenders haven't we you can always go generic and we've had some success playing with savage worlds and that might mm-hmm. be the one to bring us back into space this year i think mightn't it a bit of savage Maybe. worlds what with the new stuff kicking around as well i haven't really delved into the last parsec and all that science fiction stuff they have been doing of late um but yeah i'll always be savage interested Coriolis doesn't massively float my boat despite being free league and maybe it will if I give it a proper read through I don't know but that's that's not that seems too specific to be able to gather people under an umbrella to play it um, yeah yeah and and yeah that's always been a struggle with sci-fi eclipse phase second editions on its way I suppose and that that's a game that's been crying out for a better system um I, I, I don't think I could play it under the current system but really really interested in the background so yeah, there's loads coming, man. There's loads coming. But when it when it drops, what has to go for that to get played? That's the trouble, isn't it? You know, if you're going to yeah. set, if you're going to set, you you cannot be taller than this line to get played this year, like something outside the Disney <laughs> ride next to your bed. Then your stack of books is touching that line now. You can't put another book on the top of that pile without pulling out something from the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I did have plans for Cthulhu or Delta Green or something of that nature. Yeah. I, I don't think like the horror gaming genre is going to get much of a look in unless uh, I somehow get a gaming group at home or something so I can play, mm. you know, offline almost, um, which would is easier than trying to get online groups together and making them consistent and happening for some length of time. If you can get some people you can see every week or every couple of weeks, whatever it is. Yeah. So there are a couple of guys that I used to net runner with who have sort of talked about maybe doing that and maybe Warhammer. So horror gaming might get something this year, but I think that's one of the genres that's going to have to go um, unless it's a convention obviously and then there's things like superheroes which people occasionally convince well convince themselves they're going to convince me of let's put it that way <laughs> despite me resolutely saying I don't care I'm not interested yeah. that seems to make people more interested in making me like it mm-hmm. um, but I can't see me finding time for any of that stuff either so um, yeah fantasy's looking Warhammer shaped at the minute Free League and Maggot are looking something science fiction uh, maybe vampire, that might be the horror choice if there is one. Yeah, I think you know m- maybe there's like an A, B, and C choice I can do where I've got those sort of three games floating around plus what everybody else would run for me on the odds one off or whatever. I don't know. Have you have you got like a top three games, Baz, or anything like that? Or oh, they're constantly shifting. 
it's constantly shifting isn't it? and it, it brings us back to systems and that's what makes the whole thing go a bit circular is it we'll just spend the next four hours going from system to system round and round and round and round, and round. <laughs> but um yeah. but yeah so but, but i do i do and, and your talk of netrunner just then reminded me that um netrunner the role-playing game essentially is out or about to be out something like that yeah shadow of the base genesis talk, yeah. yeah so genesis is um generic game but the netrunner setting has been made role play and that's a setting we both love mate and i'd be very surprised if we didn't one shot or two shot that that'd be amazing if we yeah. didn't um however i don't have the genesis stuff but that, all that means but we'll just phone them up get one as guests and they give us some freebies that's how it normally works isn't it that's why we rock and roll <laughs> that'd be great if it happens last time i went to the netrunner worlds I was literally in the FFG building and tried all weekend to get hold of someone from the studio to speak to me. They wouldn't. And they were literally across the car park in a different building, but I could see them from where I was stood. <laughs> trying to get any FFG staffer to get me someone prized out of the role-playing department to come and speak to me uh, was just unachievable, it seemed. I mean, fair play. Yeah. We were there during the week, so that was their normal work- working week when they were doing their job, which they get paid for. So uh-huh. <laughs> they probably weren't as keen to find some random guy in the car park and speak to him about role-playing games. But, yeah... It'd be good to get someone on from uh, from them, actually. See, we're doing it again. We're building up a guest list, having just said we're going to try and ease off on that. I know. Well, Fantasy Flight do good stuff, don't they? They've got Legend of the Five Rings as well. Oh, oh God, yeah, that's yeah, another one that I've been trying to resist. Yeah. I might crack on the Five Rings as well. Because I've, I've not opened the seal on Fantasy Flight role-playing stuff particularly. Although, that said, a uh, friend of the show, Matt, out of Steamforge, he's going to be running Star Wars for us, probably Age of Rebellion. So that's going to be my home gaming stuff, which I'll be able to get to a bit more of this year than last, I hope. Um, so that's a right. FFG there. So yeah. that'll be funny shaped dice. So that'd be good. So I suppose, yeah. So to answer your original question, uh, me, a game is probably going to have to be King of Dungeons this year. I really just want to play that. And I just want to, even if nothing else happens, even if it never gets published or anything else like that, if I'm going to spend some time with elves and dwarves and magic items, I should run my own game or play it or whatever. So there's that. Um, what I've got bubbling away at the moment, Mutant U Zero, so post-apocalyptic games, which is something I've never really played too much of, but really, really want to have a go at. Apocalypse World's always been a bit too uh, a bit too grown up for me in every sense, you know, the imagery and the way it needs to be played and the yeah. the, the fiction first stuff. It's, it's, ooh, it's a little bit too sophisticated for my basic tastes. But... Um, and Gamma World is a little bit too gonzo and too sort of mutant rabbits and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So a bit, so something that that sits nicely in between and has got a bit of optimism to it. Um, so yeah, Mutant Year Zero is going to be my post-apocalyptic choice for the year. And uh, so that leaves me with Game Three, which is probably let's say that's Matt's Star Wars game, which I, I never think of Star Wars as science fiction. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> It feels, yeah, it almost feels pulp to me or something like that. Or Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. In terms of the original Star Wars stories were a bit kind of good versus evil and, you know, there's a black knight and a white knight and stuff like that. And It, it, it was kind of old school fairy tales yeah. dressed up in a, a slightly different setting. Or, well, a, a radically different setting. But the story was basically the same. That you're a princess that needed help and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so maybe it's the... Telling the old stories, but in spaceships is what makes Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, even so appealing. Mm. Star yeah. Trek less so. 
Yeah, yeah, even, yeah, definitely. And also, I'm a massive uh, snob when it comes to to settings. Um, so uh, I, I always preferred um, settings that were written explicitly for role playing games. Um, so unless for the stuff that was that had like you know a, a picture, a film first, or even books first, even books. Much as I liked running like Stormbringer and stuff like that back in the day. I kind of knew that that wasn't a role-playing setting. That was a, a literary setting, a really good one. And we were playing in somebody else's world. Whereas yeah. I always preferred Bar Save um, for Earth Dawn. And I totally get why people love Glorantha. And I totally get why people like to play Traveller and maybe do that more than, say, Babylon 5 or Star Trek or those sort of things. I got that. I, didn't, I yeah. never really wanted to play Dune, for example, because mm. this is not my world. Yeah, weird? I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. And I think it's one of the things that we've drawn out before about um, licensed games that, well, certainly I don't like. For example, The One Ring, when some of the early, ver- uh, early adventures have you meeting Radagast the Brown or something, mm-hmm. or you might see him across the street. And I was like, well, who the cares about that? You know, I really want to be, be about my players. But yeah. maybe if you're playing in those licensed game worlds and that's something that is attractive to you, you want to see all that stuff. That's why you play in the licensed settings yeah. rather than having your own worlds. So it might just be a different approach to playing that I'm less fond of. Um, yeah. I think the, the the good thing about all those those settings, those Star Wars or whatever else, is that immediately you've got that common canvas that everybody can draw from. Mm. Uh, so as soon as you say Star Wars, just about everybody in the gaming world has in their head what that looks like. Uh, and you can say Stormtrooper and people know what they look like and all the rest of it. So I think that there's an advantage to that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm more with you in terms of rather have it about my world, like in Warhammer, for example, I'm making up my own towns and cities that populate um, the Reichland. Mm. So other people will want to play in Ubersreich, and you see in um, like Discord channels and Facebook pages, and there's some folks saying, "Oh, well, how do I how do I get 2,523 and to agree with this from the first edition that was three years later, but says that this guy <laughs> was that?" And it's like, why do you care? Make it about your players, but obviously to other people, it's deeply important that they get all the canon. Uh, spot on and are playing as per the, the Games Worship official canon uh, I'd yeah. much rather be playing with the flavour of that setting uh, and doing our stuff with our players and our NPCs and places yeah no you're right it, 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 I'm sort of painting myself into a corner if I only ever play uh, unique stuff that's uh, that's original stuff I should say because then that means I've got to read all the setting for it myself um, yeah. you know much as I'd, I'd quite like for example to play Dark Sun um, I really mm. like I really like Dark Sun. I really like it a lot. Um, but there's a there's quite a lot to it, and um, it's quite a fresh world. And there's there's it's quite front loaded as well. If you sat down with a bunch of gamers who didn't know Dark Sun, because that would be my preference as well. It's like oh blimey, where do I start here? I'm, I don't really want to give people homework, but there's <laughs> a lot of research to do and all the rest of that too. So yeah, it's difficult with an original setting. So I think. I think what I'm going to do is, is rather than think about um, rather than think about setting and system, which is like your normal thing to do when you're trying to plan what would I like to do. I've got to be a bit more aware of expectations for the game. So I quite like at the moment stuff like Mutant Year Zero, which isn't it's not no prep at all, but it's definitely a low prep game. So the idea of being that you stumble out of your arc into a post-apocalyptic landscape means that all of the characters and therefore all of the players don't really need to know anything about what's beyond their four walls. So it can be fresh and original, and it's okay to to just know enough for that session. Yeah. Um, so low prep gaming has got to be the way forward. 
I can't do the the, the big um, the big published campaigns so much these days, and I can't do equally. I can't do the generate your own big campaigns so much these days. So I need that kind of that game that lets you do a little bit of low prep, and it does mean my players have to do a bit more work with the story and the world. But I can't go to the other extreme of like, uh, you know, let's play Dungeon World. I don't know. You tell me. What's the name of the pub? What's the name of the person who runs it? I don't know. You tell me. Because I, <laughs> you can't do that forever and call yourself a GM. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I know what you're saying. So if we circle back to Apocalypse World, for example, like I think that the way that you design the setup of what's going to happen in your settlement and, and who people are, I think that's really good still. So mm. I'd be tempted to use that to set up whatever is the environment you're in yeah. and then play the real game. They want to play afterwards that's not, <laughs> you know, using that Apocalypse World engine. It just doesn't fly for me in that. I don't know. I think I've discussed before, isn't it? It's like seeing the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain who's uh, pulling all the levers. Yeah. As soon as you start saying, who's the guy who runs the pub then? And, and what do you think of this person? And well, who would be your major antagonist? That's, start, that's just getting all the gears of how things working. And it's not driving the race car. It's looking at the hood at how the engine works. And I'm, I'm mm. less keen on that. I'm more, I'm more prefer to be going around by a seat of my pants in the race car than looking under the hood and deciding what engine parts I want. Yeah. I mean, my resolu- second resolution, is it two or three now? I don't know. But a resolution for this year is definitely to create more adventure and scenario stuff than run published um, or the other ways that we play games. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy to, to do my own stuff much more this year than I have been previously, which should give me some some time back from reading, but I'll have to reinvest that into like, you know, scribbling down some notes and uh, and doing some session zeros and that stuff that gives you the ammo for games. So mm. yeah, that's my resolution is to play play more that way, um, and the, and actually as a result of that, be a bit less worried about endings, and be more worried about beginnings. Just put my put my time into setting up situations and and let the players take some of the burden of how the adventure is going to pan out. I've I've always before now, uh, almost always not completely always, but almost always relied on there being. A plot, not necessarily railroaded, but just de- but definitely a plot with an end in mind. And and uh, given that most campaigns don't end anyway, I don't know why I should be so worried about those at all. So I'm going to push <laughs> those slightly to one side, I think, and and just set up some situations and um, and see what happens from there. And and that that will keep it fresh as a GM too. I think you you can prepare too much. I've definitely done that in the past. Prepare too much, take six weeks for the game to actually happen, and you're bored with your own stuff by the time the night shows up. So it's getting that balance, isn't it, between being excited and having some surprises left for you and having enough prepared so that you don't feel intimidated by the night. Yeah. Yep, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I saw a lot of um, memes on Twitter and stuff recently from uh, people who've got, like, for example, a, I don't know, Bambi next to a, a dead mother deer going like, you know, the dead mother's my carefully crafted campaign and the players have killed it again and I'm the beast <laughs> It's like, well, why, why aren't you more bothered about making venison pie out of the thing you've created together rather than crying <laughs> over this massive thing that you've created? 
Like I think you're right. The best way to approach it is to have like a couple of sessions worth of stuff in your head about what might be going on and what's where things are going generally, without yeah. running what the evil sorcerer's ultimate master goal is just right now, or how he will be defeated, or the, the options for that. Like just have enough to keep you going. And, and sort of like our Warhammer is a good example of that in the terms of people can listen back now to the actual play. We've we've stuck up an hour worth of that uh, of edited highlights up on the uh, the old page, so people can go and listen to it. Um, but but in that you guys end up working for the bad guy to a degree. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But there's there's no way of predicting which way that would go. Is even an option? And you choose your own adventure. When I was sort of thinking about the plotting the night session out or the session after, for example. So it's worth having some stuff, and then, like you say, retaining some flexibility because players will want to do something else, and you you really want the game to be about what everybody wants to do rather than just one person. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of actual play and uh, and some ideas for 2019, we didn't do very much actual play that we've recorded and put out to on the podcast in the last year because um, I'm conscious that there's an awful lot of actual play podcast material out there for people to choose from. But having said that, when we do it, we get good feedback. So uh, yeah, I wonder if true. perhaps we should do just little bits and pieces here and there. I wonder if there's an appetite to listen to some gaming because... Then obviously we've killed a couple of kobolds with one slingshot, haven't we? Because mm. we're getting together to podcast and uh, we're getting a game played content. It's, it's all good. Yeah, I think it might have to be a separate separate channel rather, or something like that, or a slightly mm. different named podcast or something. Uh, but yeah, do do let us know out there in dear listener land if that's something that you find entertaining, enjoyable, or something we should do more often. Then let us know. Because um, it will require some effort and some of our limited gaming time will be discussed. But it'll be good to actually do some of that if that's what people want to hear and give us the excuse to play more games as well. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and it makes, I think it makes it more likely to happen. Like with anything, if you're getting some positive feedback, yeah, it's a good virtuous loop and it just means it's more likely to happen in the first place. So, yeah, if you, if you, if you want to hear some games, please do let us know. And if you don't, let us know as well, because then we won't bother, and that's fine. <laughs> Been a good yeah. to know either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you're trying to jam a new game, and you're saying, I want to play this setting. I want to play my Dark Sun game, and you play as well being lukewarm. I was like, well, just tell me. Like, If you don't want yeah. to play it, say so. And if you do say so, <laughs> if you don't care either way, say so, probably. But yeah, it's one of them, and you, you kind of want to hear from people, because uh, otherwise you put a lot of effort in. And don't know if anybody's appreciating it, and, and what's yeah. the point when you can put your effort to something they will like? So. Exactly, exactly. So um, outside of uh, of our ambition to play some role playing games, which is a strange thing for role playing podcasters to to want, but there you go. <laughs> what about hobby adjacent stuff then? What have we got in the writing and publishing pipeline, if anything, for twenty nineteen? I've not got a lot at the minute. I'm trying to be quite cautious because I'm aware my master starts again this year. Uh, imminently in fact so uh, there's going to be a lot of reading and writing that's involved with that so I'm really going to have to see how the first three months go this year before I can commit to anything big although we have done a couple of little bits of our super secret project uh, with another publisher that we're still waiting to hear back on Mm. Uh, and so yeah it's going to be you Baz you're going to have to write King of Dungeons properly get it all published uh, Uh, and various other things yeah yeah. Uh, okay well I mean I I absolutely do commit to having that done I was going to finish it this I think you did last year yeah definitely yeah I commit to having it done every year what the hell (laughs) (laughs) you can have your money back if you like on that promise (laughs) full and complete refund um 
Yeah, but it's nearly there. It's nearly there. It's going to get to the hard bit now, though, because the writing is arguably the easy bit. But then it gets all complicated when you're thinking about art and layout and stuff. And and half me just wants to stick it on a Google Doc and just give it to anybody who expresses the slightest interest. Honestly, it does. And it's like yeah, it's done now. And it's out of my hands, and I can move on with my life, my sad life. Because um, I want to do some other things as well. I want to do uh, a smart zine for the first quarter of this year because we released our smart zine one i think in january last year now so that yeah. seems like it's about time um we've but also as you know guess we've got some we've had some contributions already that we've garnered yeah. over the last couple of months and they, they look great and i want to do service to those guys by putting more things together to justify a zine for our listeners and for, certainly for our patrons as well sure. so i guess we need to put a call out um because that if anybody wants to contribute anything towards a smart zine, we would love to hear about that. Uh, and believe you me, the bar to publication is pretty low as far as we're concerned. So you write it, we'll have a look at it and and, and poke it a bit. And maybe it, between us, we can come up with something really cool. Uh, let's you know, let's keep it old fashioned. You know, like White Dwarf used to be. You know, scenarios, articles, monsters, treasures, encounters, maps. If you if you're good with a pen or a bit of Photoshop. Let's stick it all in there. Let's get like the smart posse galvanized into like producing something that the whole community could benefit from. I'd love to see it be that and not just yours and mine scribbles. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be good actually, because uh, that's the sort of thing we've discussed a few times, isn't it? The old magazine, and we're we're unlikely to get someone publishing a magazine every month that's going to be W. A. Smiths. Yeah. But the thing that kept that white dwarf interesting when it was was the letter pages and other content from contributing authors and scenario writers and bits of reviews and all kinds of stuff so getting a bit of a community feel to it and get some of our glorious listeners to join in and add some bits to it will make it feel a little bit more like the old school white dwarf back in the day which is kind of the feel i think we all want to capture yeah definitely yeah we all miss that kind of thing we've spoken before about the community and i i love the smart posse and the community we've got around this podcast um and you know, meeting people at conventions is always great. Wouldn't it be great if we could just have some stuff that that we could print up and hand out just amongst ourselves to begin with, and uh, stick it on drive through if need be too? So you know, patrons, I'm looking to you. Thank you so much for your support. But your money goes into producing physical artifacts like this, and and obviously you get first and free dibs on that kind of stuff. So if you've got an idea burning away in the back of your head, drop us a line through the usual channels. Um, and, you know, like I say, it can just be your game notes if it wants to be from some scenarios that you've been running recently. I'd love to read those. I love reading other GM's notes. I always find it fascinating. I'm not saying you could always run a scenario out of it, but isn't it brilliant to see other people's stuff? So, you know, send it in. Yeah, it's cool. I, I definitely uh, love a bit of that as well. I think another good thing we've got coming up, talking of guests that we <laughs> we don't have any more guests. <laughs> if we get repeat <laughs> guests, does that count? Are we allowed to repeat yes. ones? because <laughs> I've had a bit of banter with Nina one of our, our first time DMs that came on the show and told me about her experiences or us about her experiences uh, and I've, I think I've kind of convinced her to run a game for us at some point this year as well so that'd be good nice. getting someone like completely different that we've not game before, with before to, to run us something and go through a session I think that'd be a, a you know it's moving us away from campaign play and stuff but to just get a completely fresh pair of eyes behind the gym chair and giving us a different take on gaming. I think it'd be really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of diversity in our, in our gameplay would be really good, mate. But I don't get out to as many cons as you do, so a chance to play with some different people, I'm going to grab that with both hands. I'd love to see what Nina can come up with as well. It'd be really interesting to play uh, with a with a new person, with a new style. 
Yeah, definitely. And we need to get you to Grogmeet as well. We re- I really enjoyed that last time. So although yes. you're going to be limited on your convention guard, I think that that and other community-led events are the things that we should be pouring more effort into. Yeah, uh, well, I, I hereby commit to going to Grogmeet. There you go. Is that all it takes? <laughs> <laughs> that right after you've done King of Dungeons, right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, well, listen, mate. Last January, I said I was going to run a transhuman space campaign, and then you can see what happened to that. So take my words with a massive dose of salt. But uh, <laughs> maybe I'll bring that unwritten transhuman space game to uh, to Grogmeet. There you go. It's an old game. Very old game. <laughs> transhuman space is an interesting one. I, th- I think they called it Terra Nova News. I'm pretty sure it was Phil Masters, but someone can correct me. Mm. But they did like a weekly thing where they put out a newsletter, which is basically just like another a one-pager on a part of the, the solar system somewhere or some resort yeah. or some space station or whatever it was. And it was supposed to be like a news article, but it just gave you more content about the game world. And there's loads of them. They came out one a week for months and months. Wow. I'm pretty sure it was just Phil pumping them out. But that was like a really good way of... Keeping the game alive, almost even without product coming out, you you kind of got this new thing that got you interested in the game world. So that was quite cool. Yeah. Uh, and with Warhammer, that's something I've done, uh, admittedly only for like three sessions rather than months and months that Phil did it for. <laughs> but it, it's just that extra bit, as I was talking about earlier in the uh, the cast, alluding to getting people involved, is a one page based on what happened to the to the, the players last time, what's going to happen this mm. time, or hinted at what might do, and a bit of flavour and banter about the game world if you can knock something like that up in your games i think that gets people interested so maybe that's something that's my where my writing is it's kind of like uh threaded through and around games rather than writing whole new games or anything like that mine's going to be more small manageable chunks and doing things that get people interested and excited about whatever it is we're playing rather than trying to uh, write a new magnum opus yeah but that's cool because you've always been really good with the crafting aspect of games whether that be character sheets or little standees for con games or um, sometimes physical artifacts too. You've always been really good at that. And they, those really work, mate. And they're a, they're a quality enough that they become content too. So, um, yeah, I mean, don't feel embarrassed about that. I love those little handouts. And they're also really, really useful when you only play sporadically, especially as you've got a bit of early onset coming on like we all have. It's, <laughs> it's hard to remember what the bloody hell's been going on. <laughs> And I'll tell you another thing that, that online gaming is and me are at odds about is I sometimes struggle to be the note taker that I would be if we were sitting around the table together. When you sit around mm-hmm. the table, there's always someone. It's usually me um, or my mate Dan will often buy a new notebook for a new game. He loves a nice clean notebook for a new campaign. Who can blame him? <laughs> he doesn't. And he'll write down the names of stuff and we'll have little arrows and that kind of stuff. That's quite hard to do online or to catch up with. So... You've only got what's coming into your ears most of the time. And if we're playing a game like Warhammer, where everyone's a Von Berger, it's quite difficult to know who's who and what's going on. So I love those little snapshots that you do to keep everybody engaged, mate. And it it does work. It literally does keep us engaged. So that's a nice way of getting a bit of game on, even if you haven't got the people around the table, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's, that's the thing, is trying to embed the game broader than just whatever the session was. It needs to be a little bit outside that. I know... Some people bemoan even. The players don't do anything. They just turn up and they don't even bring any snacks and they don't do anything. I can see why that's frustrating. Mm. I'm not quite sure how you encourage players to get more involved than they already are because some people just literally want to turn up and play a game and don't care about any of their aspects. But it would be my appeal to people who players out there who don't want to gem, don't fancy it, can't do whatever the reason. If you're just the player, 
then uh, do try and support your DM and other players in some way, even if that's just getting excited about the game, sharing some notes, uh, something you wrote up about the adventure, a bit of recording you did, whatever it might be. If mm. you can try and create more buzz around the game and the excitement that you're all having when you're at the table uh, in between the games, then that helps the next session be all that more special. Well, my uh, my Mutant Year Zero game that I ran last week for my home group was really cool, proper little session zero, uh, generated some characters, thought up some NPCs, some relationships, that kind of stuff, bit of world building. And um, we had to draw a map of our arc, which is like the little home settlement that your mutants start off in. And uh, my good mate Stevie picked up the pencil, I think reluctantly, he won't mind me saying, but he picked up a blank sheet of graph paper and the pencil. But actually, over the next half hour, he's generated a really cool map and it's got arrows on it and we know where the fixer lives and where the gearhead is and where the dog pens are. And it's excellent. I looked back at it again this week and it gave me a real, a real sort of boost to get some more stuff ready for the next session. And when we plop that down on the middle of the table again next week, it'll be like everybody will lean in a little bit more because we've produced an artefact of play. And I think that might be a resolution too, is to generate some stuff, not just for storage, but just in case I want to play it again, maybe bring it out at a con rather than thinking up stuff from, from blank, which yeah. is often a bit hard. It's just, you know, keep some of these character sheets and make a little make a little store of stuff that can just be pulled out on demand from stuff that's come out of actual play. Our listeners seem to love seeing this kind of stuff when we tweet about it or or talk about it or stick it up on the Patreon website. It always goes down really well. And I love seeing that stuff too. Artifacts of play are cool. So I'm going to do more of those. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I do agree as well. I think that's something that I've done with games in the past. Like I've still got notes from Earth Dawn and maps of cares and things like that. You know, I've got that I dig out and get excited about for no apparent reason. <laughs> 25-year-old maps or whatever they are. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a good blog article uh, I, had, I read recently was um, one from Guy Milner, a good friend of the show. He does his yeah. burn after the reading column. Uh, and he was talking about how he's rerun the same convention scenario more than once. Uh, and that's something I was doing recently, like up until this last year. He was running a brand new session every time he ran a session kind of thing. And he's done more of going back to the well to run the same thing again and again and improve mm-hmm. it and enhancing it and being able to pull up old content from before or remember things that other players did to then enhance the next session. And I think that's definitely something for, for people to consider as well. If you, you find yourself short of time, as we all are, and you want to commit to games but don't want to write something new and feel you have to, then don't worry about it. Just run an old thing. And just yeah. dust it off a bit. Get you know, get your juices flowing by looking at all the the bits and pieces and the marks on the character sheets from the last lot that ran through it, and remember what they did, and run the session again. But just maybe just tune it up a little bit, give it a fresh coat of paint, or add some extra details. And it found you'll find yourself a lot more comfortable at the table, knowing to a degree what's going to happen, and certainly prepared for a lot of the options without having mm. to put a lot of the effort in in advance as well. So that frees up some time and gives you a lot more enjoyment out of something that you've already spent time prepping in the first place. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. I want to recycle and upcycle some stuff because it's just another obstacle to getting a game in otherwise, isn't it? Just thinking, right, I better get this new system, better write a new scenario, better do half a dozen new characters and think it all up from scratch again. And that's that's time intensive. Even just generating half a dozen characters is actually one of the bigger parts of the job, isn't it, for a con game. Um, but yeah, I should, and, and some people will be listening to this shaking their heads going, you idiots, I thought this 20 years ago, and they'll be looking at their shelves where they've got like their nice little manila folders and each one's got a con- convention scenario in it, laminated twice. <laughs> 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 but I haven't done that, so 
so sue me. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a bunch of them now. A lot of folders, <laughs> a lot of games in. Yeah, it was a real lifesaver as well when I went to the Kraken last time because I was trying to get, I think, three brand new games out. And I managed to do two in the last one. I just, just couldn't fit in. So I just mm. grabbed about half a dozen folders off the shelf. I ended up running seven different games at the convention, but only prepared two new from scratch. So. Nice. Yeah, if you want to be a prolific GM, that's certainly the way to do it, rather than have to handcraft everything from scratch. I mean, if you've got the time and inclination, then do it. I mean, I know we've mentioned there that making characters is one of the time-consuming parts of things, but I like making characters. I am one of yeah. those people who have lonely fun with the Traveller books and make lots of space <laughs> marines and see how long they get. <laughs> see how these ones can survive through the training process and that kind of thing. And yeah. Getting a new game, I do like making the characters for it. I'm already thinking about my different vampire characters I might make, which may never see a convention game, but that'll be some lonely fun I can have when I can't get a game together and make half a dozen yeah. vampires in my own. <laughs> That's your New Year's resolution. Six lonely vampires in a folder <laughs> on a shelf somewhere, untouched. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to go proper LA by night and just have like six one-on-one sessions with random people I find yeah. to do the, the backstories and dream that one day I'll get them all together for the first session what uh, what conventions are on your schedule for this year mate? well we'll have to see I keep mentioning my masters it's not because I'm trying to show off it's that I'm just keenly aware that it's a thing that's going <laughs> to be a massive time sink and take yeah. up a lot of my holidays um, so Definitely grog meet again if I can. That was really cool. The Kraken's a must. I've been to every single one so far, and I think there's a mini Kraken again this year, so that might be two. Seven Hills and Furnace, I think we've already booked in Reams for us. So I'll be going to them. Uh, I'm pretty sure that my uh, Games Expo wife has booked in the, the Games Expo room as well, so I'll be trying to get wow. to Expo. There's possibly Dragon Meet, as we usually go there, and then there's a bunch of other ones. Uh, like I think it's the Owl and the Wizard. Owl's... <laughs> there's a staff in there wizard and a bear staff as well wizard staff and owlbear eye no got there something like that owlbear and wizard staff there we go there'll be about a dozen people screaming at the radios right now Sorry, yeah but there's, there's new things like that it's, it's, it's of the sort of like uh, concrete cow when it first started or, or grog meat or uh, even go play Leeds, for example, that monthly thing that Guy runs that we just mentioned. It's, it's of that um, order of people who just like gaming, have booked a room and want to play some games, but seems to have a quite a rabid fan base for it already, having only run one. So I'm, I'm quite keen to go to more of those sort of events, really, rather than necessarily going to all the big ones, even though I've mentioned about half a dozen I'm already going to. If I can mm-hmm. get into some of more of the, the homegrown ones, where it's just local talent, have booked a room and got some tea and hubdubs on the go, and we play a couple of games in a day. That sounds like uh, something more I should be doing because you, you get like really enthusiastic audiences uh, and lots of new people. So that that'd be good, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave the house this year definitely at least twice. I think grog <laughs> meets confirmed, so you have to come along with that. Otherwise, I'll be there on my own. That's confirmed. That's that's booked now. <laughs> <laughs> that's written in tablets of sand. <laughs> yeah, I haven't bought the New Year's diary yet, so nothing's really confirmed until that happens. And I put it on top of the microwave, and my wife gets hold of it and scrolls in all the other things we've got to do first. So it, it has got to survive that appeals process. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, may, maybe like 11 months in advance is long enough that we might get you there. <laughs> You'd think, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, dear. King of Dungeons would be ready for them as well, guaranteed. Oh, there you go. You heard it here first. King of we'll Dungeons, on... I grog me in November. I'll be on my first supplement by then. You wait and see. It'll be like the news of Ihander. I'll be shifting thousands of them. 
you see, that's another game I should probably look at. But I'm playing Warhammer. Why, why would I buy Zwinder as well? Well, let's know. get him on and ask him that question. Because we, we need more that. guests. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one good thing that is seen to be coming out as well is like starter sets, uh, intro boxes, free content. I saw an amazing thing on the the Woofrup uh, Discord channel, I think it was, uh, which gets a lot of traffic. And some guy was uh, almost berating Andy Law because he kept bringing out free stuff. Because there was like, <laughs> there was like two or three PDFs that Cubicle 7 had brought out to support the new Woofrup that didn't just got for free and they were like... That's all very well and good, but where's the paid stuff that we can buy that has more detail in? So wow. it's it's that interesting time where I think companies are doing the right thing in terms of getting a lot of interest, and and, and that comes from putting words out there that people could consume and do stuff with. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, people love to have stuff. It's just a little drip feed. That's the way forward. No point doing a six hundred page book; they're never doing anything with it. So um, yeah, keep keep the community alive by offering them little bits every now and again. People love it; they'll lap it up. They do. Before uh, before 2019 gets uh, you know more than 24 hours old, I don't want to commit to too much because <laughs> wouldn't it be good if we had to come back together in say March and go? Well, that's all done, so we're gonna have to like <laughs> think up some new stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> if we do it, all of that, then I'll happily discuss this again in three months' time. I suspect uh, it'll be three months plus one year before I've got anywhere yes. near it. I suspect so, because I also want to play card games and dice games and miniature games and, and other games and games. Oh, balls. What a time <laughs> to be alive, mate, though, eh? What a time. Too much content, not enough time. I've even had to resist buying computer games this Christmas break because I knew that I didn't have time to play them, that, let exactly. alone read all my role-playing books. Yeah, they're treacherous. Yeah, you you, you make that stack. Can, you've got a marketing pencil on the wall, how high it is right now. Okay, that that's now the limit. You've literally got to keep your head above that line. One in, one out. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. And if, well, yeah, there you go. That's, I hope Zweihander's in the pile because if you can get a shot of that, you can put another 15 books in. <laughs> <laughs> Slide out 13th Asian Glorantha from the bottom, gently, like Jenga. <laughs> <laughs> Strange creaking noises coming from my floorboards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the house shifts back again. <laughs> Yeah, oh mate. Well, let's do this again soon. Um, and but by then, by then, I'm I'm scheduled to play two games this week, which will be a hell of a good start to 2019. So next time we get together, could, well, you'll be playing in one of them, hopefully. Uh, we can talk about that, and that'll be good. That's almost as good as actual play. Amazing. Let's do it. <laughs> cool. Bye for now. See you later, guys. <laughs>